Matthew 23, and uh, I got a lot of verses uh, similar to this morning, only this morning I asked you to turn to all these passages. Tonight, I'm just going to read them to you, and I want you just to sort of sit back and take it in. If you could just try to soak in tonight what I'm going to share with you, I think it'll be a blessing to you. Matthew 23 and verse 11. You're familiar with this statement. Why don't you read it out loud with me? Matthew 23 and verse 11. Matthew 23, 11. Let's read it together. Ready? But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Now, Jesus is saying something there that I'm not sure that we comprehend. We're familiar with the statement. But I'm not sure we comprehend what he's really saying. I want you to notice in there the words, shall be. I think sometimes we read that statement and we think, all right, if you want to be great, you got to serve. It's not what he said. He's telling us this is how it's going to be because this is my measuring stick. The measuring stick of the kingdom of God measures greatness in servanthood. So, you can be a big shot in man's eyes, and even a big shot under the guise of religion or church. But in God's kingdom, he that is greatest shall be. Your servant. I want to tonight help magnify a concept. Here's what I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, that we don't get. We still have it in our brains that this life is what it's all about. And if you want to make a name for yourself in this life, if you'll be a servant, it'll help you make a name for yourself in this life. And that is not anything what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying there is another life that is more important than this one. And that other life has a completely different set of rules and standards. And one of those completely different standards is that greatness is servanthood. And and here's the idea. A servant forgets about greatness. There's not a servant in the world who is a genuine servant who's concerned about greatness. And so what Jesus is saying is, The one who is greatest among you, he's talking to his disciples, is not going to be the one that appears to be greatest among you. He will be your servant. And you can prop up somebody from among you as Mr. Big Shot, but in the kingdom of God, he won't be considered the greatest. The one that's considered the greatest will be the one who has measured up as, oh, wow, yeah. You have the greatest servanthood. You are the the greatest. 
So tonight, I want to help you to see some things, and I'm just going to ask you to listen, not turn. If you want to jot down a reference, that's fine. But I want to give you some Bible truths about this thing, because here's the thing. We don't aspire to be servants. What do you want to be when you grow up, Johnny? A servant. No. In fact, anybody who has announced to their family that they're going to serve the Lord full time. I'm talking about somebody coming out of high school. What are you going to do? Oh, man, I, I, can, I see clearly, and I'm not going to tell you the stories, but I've told them before of, of uh, various people that, that knew me since, since, since I was very small. And as they found out that I was going to Bible college to become a preacher, isn't there anything else you want to do with your life? Why? Because preacher is not something that they highly esteemed. And the fact is, if I say to you, what are you going to do with your life? I want to be a servant. There's not a one of us who would think that that's a good answer. But if we're going to think like Christ thinks, we need to believe that that's a good answer. Now, wait. You can be a servant and, and be very successful in life because you've got to provide for your family. You, you've got to be secure, and I'm for every bit of that. But I'm for every bit of that doing that as a servant and not continuing in this what they call rat race. But I don't want to talk so much about that except simply to help you to understand that when God talks about being a servant, he is telling us about something that is contrary to this world's thinking. He is asking you to aspire to something that is not going to score you any points on this planet. So there is no temporal, selfish motive for this. Sometimes people talk about being a servant as in, now if you'll serve people, uh, they'll, you'll, you'll um, rise up in the ranks. You missed the point. Now, that may be true, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about having a respect a high estimation of this thing of serving and serving the Lord. So let me tell you some of the things about a servant from the Bible. First of all, a servant is faithful. Hebrews third, I'm sorry, Hebrews three, verse five. Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant. Now his house there is not talking about his household. Is talking about what God had for him to accomplish in his life. You can look at the context to learn that. But a servant is faithful. Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant. If you're not faithful, you're not a servant. If you aspire to be a servant, as Jesus said, he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. If you aspire to be a servant, you've got to be faithful. What does faithful mean? Faithful means that 
You're going to be there. You're going to do your job. We don't even have to check to see if you're there. You're going to be there. You're going to be in your place. A servant is faithful. A servant has a humble mind. Listen to Acts 20, 19 as Paul is talking. He's talking about himself saying, serving the Lord with all humility of mind. A servant has a humble mind. If you want to aspire to be a servant because Jesus said, he that is the greatest among you shall be your servant. And most people and and most Christians do not qualify. If I could say this nicely, most Christians, most of us, including me, are not good enough to be called servant. It's a much higher standard than what we're willing to live up to. But a servant has a humble mind. Your mind has to be transformed to not being focused on me, me, me. Well, that's a difficult place to get to, and it's a constant battle because we, we by nature think me, me, me. Servant is faithful. A servant has a humble mind. Thirdly, a servant is not concerned with his reputation. Philippians 2, 7, Jesus made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. No reputation. He, servant is not concerned with his reputation. Now, there's another hard one. Now, wait a minute. The Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. If we're talking about an honest reputation, yes, that's important. If we're talking about people knowing that we have integrity, well, that, that goes hand in hand. That's a good, good Christian testimony. That's important. But if we're talking, and all, by the way, everybody knew that about Jesus. They knew he was a man of integrity. They knew he was an honest man. They knew he was a hardworking man. But making himself of no reputation means he was willing to be a nobody. You see the difference there? He was willing to be a nobody. And there's another place where we all strike out. But you cannot aspire to be a servant. You cannot get there until you are ready to be a nobody. That's a hard one to swallow. Is there anybody who really doesn't think that's a hard one to swallow? That's a hard one to swallow. And that's why most of us will never qualify because we're constantly putting our name out there. We're constantly defending our name. We're constantly, we're self-promoters. I didn't plan to share this. In fact, I, it's, it's, um, I'll say it without saying a name, okay? And you'll, you'll know who it is. I just don't want to put it out there this way. But uh, the man who was with us Wednesday night sat in my office before the service. He said, you know why we're not getting it done? He said, because we all have an agenda. He said, name for me a preacher in America who doesn't have an agenda. He said, the men who really get things done for God Their only agenda is Christ. 
we're so concerned about winning the reputation battle, making a name for ourselves, but a servant is not concerned about his reputation. A servant expects to be last. Mark 9, 35, he sat down and called the twelve and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. Now, again, you have to sit and understand what Jesus is talking about there. But when you finally reconcile yourself with the idea of being a servant, you expect to be last, and you're okay with that. Now, nobody likes to be last. You know, having my last name start with a V and being the tallest in every class I've ever been in. Either way, I was always going last, you know. Nobody likes to be last. And once in a while they go, let's go in reverse alphabetical. And I'm like, yeah! But, or, or let's, it, this rarely happened. Let's go tallest to smallest this time. You know, I always feel bad for the little guy, so they put the big tall guy at the end of the line. Shame on them. But anyway, um, but nobody likes to be last, especially in the food line especially in the apple pie after church line. <laughs> People going to deacon's meeting are going to be last, and we're not going to get a piece of pie. Nobody likes to be last, but the servant expects to be last. Now, I'm going to use an illustration here that I really don't want to use because it's almost like I'm confessing what a wimp I am, okay? But... My uh, my wife has has enjoyed um, the show Downton Abbey. Isn't it? See, you, you say, "Oh, Pastor, don't go there." I don't want to. I don't want to think that of you. And because I love my wife, and because she has sat through many a baseball game with me, I, uh, I I'll watch it with her. There you go. It's it's history. Thank you, Netta. <laughs> but here's the amazing thing. We're talking about servant and the mentality of a servant. And I can't even think of the guy's name, but he is, and I know some, somebody's going to know it, the guy that's in charge of all the servants, Mr. Carson. Not only is he content to be a servant, he thrives on being a servant. He, he, I hate to say it, but it's as if he takes pride in being a servant. Like this is who I was born to be. And this is who I'm going to die being. And in a weird, crazy way, he takes great satisfaction in being put at the end of the line. Now, you say, well, I can't relate to that because I've never seen that show. You can relate to that just because, by the way, as Netta said, it's part of history. It depicts a class of people who just said, I'm a servant. That's who I am. I don't don't need to be big shot. I don't need to be uh, wealthy. I was born a servant. And I'm glad to be a servant. Now, we can't, we can't comprehend that because, praise the Lord, we've all been born into America. We all have the American dream. And I'm going to be wealthy and I'm going to rule. But if you're going to serve Christ, something's got to change in your mentality. And you've, you've got to be willing to come to the place where you say, 
I fully expect to be last because I am a servant of Christ. A servant does not seek title or position. Mark 10, 44, whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. Now, you remember James and John had been disputing over who's, who's going to, you know, who's the greatest. And actually, no, I'm getting two stories mixed up here. A bunch of the disciples were disputing over who's, who's the greatest. And Jesus picked up on that, and he responded to them and say, you tell you who's the greatest. The servant is the greatest. So they were arguing over title and position. In fact, it was James and John's mother who came to Jesus and say, when you establish your kingdom, and they weren't, she wasn't talking eternal kingdom. She was thinking here and now kingdom. They thought Jesus was going to take over, and he was going to uh, sit on the throne again in the nation of Israel and bring back the throne of David then. He's going to do that, but it's in the future. When you establish your kingdom, could you put my one son on your right hand and your other son on your left hand? What were they after? What was she after? Title and position. And Jesus lets them know it's not about title and position, gentlemen. There is a different economy that you have to understand. It's the economy where the greatest is the one who serves because he has forgotten about title and position. A servant follows instructions. Now, this is one of many examples we could look at, but Luke 14, 17, Jesus is telling a story. He says he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. Now, in that parable, several times Jesus tells about the master sending the servant to do this. And then the servant comes back and gives a report, and the master says, okay, then go do this. And there's several incidents in there where the master says, okay, then go do this. And there's never a hint in this parable of the servant went out and did it his way. Why? Because it's just assumed by Jesus that if you're a servant, you're going to follow instructions. One of the biggest reasons that many believers cannot qualify as servants of Christ is because we don't follow instructions. That's not very encouraging. No, so change it. Let's change it. We need to change who we are. We hear instructions in the service of Christ. And immediately we start thinking about how we can how I can do it my way. And a, ser- a servant doesn't think about how to do it his way. A servant just follows instructions. And if you can't follow instructions, you will not be a servant. Now I know there's this very pious point of view. Well, I follow God's instructions. I just don't follow man's instructions. And give me one example in the Bible where somebody took that position and God blessed it. You can't. Because the way people in the Bible followed God's instructions was by following the instructions of the... Do you know there was only one man on Mount Sinai? 
Everybody else in Israel who carried out the Lord's instructions did it because Moses told them that's what God said. Do you know Sarah never heard God's instructions to Abraham? But Sarah was obedient because she heard God's instructions to Abraham and followed them. I'm going to say this very discreetly. But when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old, and God said, very soon your wife is going to have a baby, there was some follow-up to those instructions. And 90-year-old Sarah had to take Abraham's word for it that there was some things that they had to do. And the fact that she was willing to follow her husband's instructions allowed God to bring to pass what he said would come to pass. Now, you take that anywhere in the Bible you want to, and, and you'll see. I'm simply saying, one reason that we, that we don't qualify as servants of the Lord is because we're not willing to be a part of an organization where a man called of God gives instructions, and we follow his instructions. You'll follow instructions at work because you're getting a paycheck. But we won't follow. Uh, I don't take instructions from a man. Good. Good luck with that and see how it works for you at the judgment seat of Christ. A servant follows instructions. A servant does not start fights. Second Timothy 2.24. Listen to this. The servant of the Lord must not strive. Do you know what the, <laughs> this blows my mind. You know what the Greek word for strive is there? Strive means fight. Now, there's a time when standing your ground is necessary, but there's a difference between standing your ground and going out and starting fights. Do you know what the Greek word for strive is there? You're not going to believe it. You can go look it up for yourself. I, I don't know if this is the root of the English word or not. I'd be interested to find out, but I'll tell you this. If not, it's, it's a crazy coincidence. The Greek word translated strive there, the root word is M-A-C-H-O, macho. The server of the Lord must not be a macho man. That's, that's crazy. Even if it's a coincidence, that's crazy that that's the Greek word there. The servant of the Lord is not to be a bully. He's not to be somebody who's at, who goes pushing people around, starting fights. A servant of the Lord, a servant does not start fights. Why does he not start fights? Because next, a servant is driven to please his master. Galatians 1.10, Paul said, Do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Here's what Paul was saying. He was telling the Galatians that he was not going to take marching orders from his critics if he's taking he, he's saying if I take marching orders from my critics then I am their servants and I am not the servants of my critics by the way that's great advice don't be the servants of your critics I am not the servants of my critics because if I was the servants of my critics I would no longer be the servant of Christ and because Paul was driven to please Christ he said, these people that are telling me what, giving me their opinion, this is what you need to be, this is what you need to do. 
I'm not their servants. I'll read it again. Keep that in mind as I read it again. Do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. A servant is driven to please his master. Next, a servant is trusted because the master's agenda is his agenda. Luke 14, 21. So the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house being angry said to his servant. He wasn't angry at the servant. He's angry at what the servant found. Go out quickly in the streets and lanes of the city, bringing hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. You'll know, just like the other story, in that parable, the master trusted the servant. And why did he trust the servant? Because the servant's agenda, the master's agenda, was his agenda. One of the greatest I was going to tell a story. I think I better not. But one of the greatest things that you will find in life is finding somebody whose agenda lines up with God's and saying, I'm getting on board with that and giving yourself to it. And when you do that, you'll be trusted. You'll be trusted. A servant must be trusted. Number 10, a servant is valuable to the work of God. Listen to this, Romans 16, 1. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centria. Paul is saying to the Romans, let me give a strong recommendation to this lady because she's a servant of the church. A servant is valuable to the work of God. I'm almost done here. Servant is a coveted title for the believer. See, for us, it would be, ah, uh, he's just a servant. He, no, no, he's, he's no, he's a nobody. He's just a servant. But for Paul, Paul's very first epistle, he begins, Romans 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Paul is commending a man named Epaphras, in, uh, Epaphras, I call him Epaphras because it sounds like a flavor of soda, doesn't it? Let me hear it from Epaphras. Uh, Colossians 4.12, Epaphras, which is one of you, a servant of Christ. That's high praise from Paul, a servant of Christ. See, I, I'm afraid that if I put Joe Vasek, servant of Christ, God would say, uh-uh, you don't qualify, pal. That's a high title. And Paul put it ahead of apostle. He put Paul, servant of Christ. Titus 1.1, Paul, a servant of God. James 1.1, these men are talking about themselves because this is what they aspire to. James 1.1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jude 1, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ. Revelation 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Unto his servant, John. Revelation 15, 3. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. Servant is a coveted title for the believer. If we want to please God, we've got to change our thinking. And we've got to look at the title, servant of the Lord. I have one more point before I get to it. Let me just say, you didn't serve P. 
people meals today because you were servants of those people. You serve people meals today because you're a servant of the Lord. It's commendable that you have compassion. But your driving motivation is, I want to be a servant of the Lord. And for that, I have the utmost respect for you. Here's a plate of food. Here's a bag of groceries. Can I get you more to drink? Can I get you a dessert? You served people that most people think of as the lowest rung of society. And your motivation is, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. And that brings me to number 12, last of all. See, I gave you 12 points, and you didn't even notice because I didn't tell you what the numbers were. The true servant will be praised by the master. Matthew 25, 21, his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We're going to stand before our master. And he is not going to say, Well done, big shot. Way to go. You're the man. Well done, know-it-all. Well done, O thou great talented one. Well done, you great wealthy man. Well done, you ambitious, amazing achiever. All those things, if you can do all those things and still stand before God and have him say, well done, servant, you've attained. You've attained. Because there's a standard in the economy of God that goes completely against our nature. And it puts servant of God as its highest achievement. And I want to aspire to that. I haven't reached it. I haven't reached it because I have too much pride. I haven't reached it because I do care too much about my reputation. I haven't reached it because I am still way too influenced by the thinking of this life. But I want to aspire to well done, servant. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight not just to be content to be servants. I'm not even I'm talking about desire to qualify for that title servant. Lord, I ask that you'd bring me there. And Lord, I saw this room full of people serve today. There was no show in setting up tables. There was no show in carrying boxes and grocery bags. There was no show in plating food and passing it out and throwing away people's empty plates. There was no show in cleaning up the floor and loading up a dozen bags of uh, large garbage bags of garbage. There was no show in all that. There's no show in what gets done behind the scenes by people in this room week in and week out. It's all about people who have humbled themselves and made themselves of no reputation and said, God, I want to be your servant. I pray servant would be in our hearts because it was in Jesus' heart. 
If Jesus was not willing to become a servant, I wouldn't be saved. May I be willing to be servant so that others can be brought to Jesus Christ, please. Let's stand together tonight. If God spoke to your heart in some way, the piano is going to play. The altar is open. Why don't you talk to God about it for a minute?